1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, besides the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. The Hittites were one of those people that God commanded the Israelites to eradicate from the land of Canaan, to kill all of them because of the hideous things they were doing, sacrificing their children, prostituting their children all kinds of things. And he actually married a Hittite. Plus, Pharaoh's daughter was into sorcery because that's what the Egyptians did. The Moabites and the Ammonites also sacrificed their children. And the Edenites and the Zidonians were also pagans. So they also did pagan stuff. Every single wife that Solomon had was a pagan. Two, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go among them, neither shall they come among you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon did cleave unto these in love. He only married pagans, and he married hundreds of them. 3. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. His wives turned away his heart. A lot of these concubines were probably pagan as well. The reason he has all these wives is because he's making alliances, friendships with all of his neighbors. Now it makes sense for him to be on good terms with a lot of his neighbors because God brought him peace on purpose so that his hands would be free of blood so that he could build God's holy temple. But just because you're on good terms with sinners doesn't mean that you have to marry them and literally be in bed with them, which Solomon was. Most of these women he probably only slept with one time, especially the concubines. For, for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. So it took a while. He didn't immediately turn to paganism. And that's probably what caused him to be deceived into thinking that he was strong enough to keep marrying pagans and that he wouldn't lose his faith. And his heart was not whole with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. 5. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the detestation of the Ammonites. Which means that the Zidonians were sacrificing their children, because that's what you did for Ashtoreth. This means that most certainly some of Solomon's children were sacrificed to demon gods. It could have been the concubine children. I don't think that he would allow the children of his legal wives to sacrifice their kids because then he wouldn't have enough heirs for the throne. But it's possible that some of those could have been sacrificed. 6. And Solomon did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. 7. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemoth, the detestation of Moab, in the mount that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestation of the children of Ammon. Molech is definitely another god that you would sacrifice your children to. They would burn their children alive for Molech. With pagan worship, this also a lot of times includes child prostitution, which is rape and torture. This is part of Satanism and part of paganism today. It always has been. The king himself was abusing and murdering some of his own children. 8. And so did he for all his foreign wives who offered and sacrificed unto their gods, which means he went full pagan and let his wives fully adhere to their pagan religion, and do anything and everything that their religion required. 
9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared unto him twice. How high the mighty have fallen, because Solomon, in wealth, in knowledge, and in wisdom, was the greatest king who ever lived before or since. And yet he fell so low. And it just proves to us how much we need Jesus, and we need salvation. We can't do life on our own. No matter what talents and gifts God gives us, we're going to fail every time. We're going to fall flat on our faces because of our own sin. We do need redemption in our lives. We need to be transformed by the light and the power of Jesus Christ. God even appeared to Solomon twice, and Solomon still lost his salvation. I know a lot of people would say that, no, you can't lose your salvation, but the Bible shows examples of people losing their salvation, and it has hundreds of verses showing that we can lose our salvation. This is just one of those examples. We've already seen a few that we've read in the Bible. This is another one of somebody who clearly lost his salvation. 10. And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. In the end, Solomon broke every commandment of the Lord, even though he was teaching the commandments when he first became king. Just because we start out well doesn't mean that we'll finish well. We have to keep the faith until the end. And that's why Jesus in the New Testament said, those who follow me to the end, E-N-D. He actually used that word when he was talking about salvation. 11. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, Forasmuch as this hath been in thy mind, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. God is promising Solomon that because Solomon has sinned against him, that he's going to give his kingdom away. 12. Notwithstanding, in thy days I will not do it, for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. The Lord is so merciful, it's just mind-blowing. He's telling Solomon, I'm not going to take your kingdom away while you're alive because of David your father and because of his love for me, but I am going to take it away from your son. 13. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. In Solomon's son's reign, the kingship will only belong to one tribe, which is Judah. And that's why there's going to actually be two different kings in Israel. There's going to be the king of Judah, who comes from Solomon's line, and there's going to be a second king reigning at the same time for all the other tribes, and that king will be called the king of Israel. There's going to be two lines of kings, but only one of them is from the tribe of Judah and the chosen line. In the history of the kings and in the books of Chronicles, we're going to be reading simultaneously about two different lines of kings. So I'll always point out which line we're talking about. One will be the king of Israel, which is over all the tribes except Judah, and the other one will be the king of Judah. 14. And the Lord raised up an adversary unto Solomon, that means an enemy, Hadad the Edomite. He was of the king's seed in Edom. He was a descendant of the king of Edom. 15. For it came to pass when David was in Edom, and Joab the captain of the host was gone up to bury the slain, and had smitten every male in Edom. 16. For Joab and all Israel remained there six months, until he had cut off every male in Edom. 17. That Hadad fled, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, to go into Egypt, Hadad being yet a little child. 
Hadad was angry with the Israelites because Joab had slain a lot of his people, had killed a lot of his people. And he has been hiding in Egypt all these years because he had to run when Joab was killing Edomites. And now he's returned to get revenge against Solomon's kingdom. 18. And they arose out of Midian and came to Paran, and they took men with them out of Paran, and they came to Egypt unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house and appointed him victuals and gave him land. Hadad was helped by Pharaoh in Egypt. He was given food and land. 19. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him to wife the sister of his own wife, the sister of Tapanes, the queen, which means Hadad married really high up. He married Pharaoh's wife's sister. 20. And the sister of Tapanes bore him Genubath, his son, whom Tapanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. It was customary in ancient times not to wean your own child if you were really high up. You would usually have a wet nurse. But the interesting thing here is that the wet nurse is Pharaoh's wife. That's a real huge compliment that Pharaoh's own wife is nursing Hadad's son. And Genubath was in Pharaoh's house among the sons of Pharaoh. Genubath is being raised as an Egyptian, even though he's an Edomite. 21. And when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers, meaning that David had died, and that Joab the captain of the host was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me depart that I may go to mine own country. 22. Then Pharaoh said unto him, But what hast thou lacked with me, that behold, thou seekest to go to thine own country? And he answered, Nothing, howbeit let me depart in any wise. Hadad wants to go back to Israel to get revenge. Pharaoh doesn't understand because Pharaoh thinks he's going back for love, which isn't true. 23. And God raised up another adversary unto Solomon. Rizan, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord Hadadezer, king of Zobah. This happens to the Israelites every time they sin. God raises up enemies who will attack them. Now God has two enemies against Solomon. 24. And he gathered men unto him and became captain over a troop, when David slew them of Zobah. And they went to Damascus and dwelt therein and reigned in Damascus. David had battled with King Hedadezer and his people. This man also wants to get revenge against Israel for his people being killed. He had been in Damascus for a long time, but now he wants to fight Solomon. 25. And he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, beside the mischief that Hadad did. And he abhorred Israel and reigned over Aram. Aram is a region that he ruled from, and he kept tormenting Solomon. I'm not sure exactly how he did it, but he kept Solomon very unhappy. And this is because of Solomon's sins. The reason God allows us to suffer sometimes is because he's disciplining us for our sins and he wants us to turn back to him. Whenever you're suffering, look in the mirror and ask yourself, is it because I'm sinning or if I'm not sinning and I know I'm living righteously and I know that my heart is for the Lord, then it must be that my faith is being tested. But either way, we need to cling to the Lord. Whether we've sinned, we need to repent, or we haven't sinned and we just need to keep the faith. We still have to cling to the Lord and trust him. 26. And Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of Zeredah, a servant of Solomon, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, he also lifted up his hand against the king. Jeroboam from the tribe of Ephraim, 
is also an Israelite, but he also hates King Solomon. So now Solomon has an enemy from within the Israelites, including the other two pagan enemies. 27. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo and repaired the breach of the city of David his father. 28. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon saw the young man that he was industrious, and he gave him charge over all the labor of the house of Joseph. Jeroboam may have been upset with Solomon for multiple reasons. For one, the Edomites looked down on King David because he was from the tribe of Judah, and the Edomites thought that they were the highest tribe because they had the greatest blessing from their father Israel. They believed probably that they should be the royal tribe, but Israel himself said that Judah was the royal tribe. They came from Joseph, who was Israel's favorite son. The second complaint could be because Solomon had so many building projects that it was driving Jeroboam and other people crazy because they were constantly working on all of Solomon's dreams and not having time to work on their own. Solomon was conscripting them to be his servants. They got paid for it, but a lot of them were probably sick of it. 29. And it came to pass at that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him in the way. Now Ahijah had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field, meaning that from a distance nobody would know who Ahijah was. They would think he was a stranger, because he was wearing clothing that people weren't used to seeing him in. 30. And Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. Obviously, each piece is going to represent one of the tribes of Judah. This is something that we've already seen and we're going to see it throughout the entire Bible, including the New Testament. Prophets enact out their prophecy. This is another clue that today's prophets are phony because they never act out what God has told them. All throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament prophets always acted things out. For instance, Ezekiel had to lie on his side for, I think, 180 days because he was acting out the siege of Jerusalem. And I think he also was commanded to walk around naked for a certain period of time because he was acting out the sin of Jerusalem. The prophet Hosea had to marry a prostitute because he was acting out the fact that God, who was the husband of Israel spiritually, was married to a prostitute because Israel was worshiping other gods. Prophets always had to act things out. In the New Testament, one of the prophets took a cord and tied it around either his own hands or the apostle Paul's hands to show Paul that he would be arrested and imprisoned and taken into custody. Over and over, prophets enact things out. Now here is Ahijah ripping up his robe in 12 pieces, so he's doing some sort of enactment. 31. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. Now the tribe who he's not giving would be the tribe of Judah, which is Solomon's tribe, and also the tribe of the Levites, because the Levites are kind of like Switzerland. They don't fight. They're always neutral, because they are the priests. So Solomon will still have the tribe of Judah and the priests that he is over, but the other ten tribes will belong to Jeroboam. And that's why the prophet is telling him, you hold ten pieces of the garment and I will hold two.
32. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Jerusalem is always going to be the appointed city, just like the Israelites are the appointed people for God's plan, God's ultimate plan for this earth. Jerusalem is going to remain in the control of the tribe of Judah and the kings of Judah. 33. Because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chamath, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and they have not walked in my ways, to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and mine ordinances, as did David his father. The prophet Ahijah is explaining that the reason you're going to get ten kingdoms is because God is punishing Solomon for his sins of following the false gods. 34. Howbeit I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I chose, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. Ahijah is telling Jeroboam, you won't get to take the kingdom while Solomon is alive. God is going to protect the kingdom during his life for the love of his father David. 35. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. Ahijah is telling Jeroboam, God is going to give you ten tribes to rule over from Solomon's son, when Solomon's son is on the throne. 36. And unto his son I will give one tribe, that David my servant may have a lamp alway before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. 37. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign over all that thy soul desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. God has chosen Jeroboam to be king over the ten tribes of Israel, but not Judah. This is an appointment from God. Jeroboam has been told by a prophet. This is all God's plan. But if Solomon had obeyed the Lord and all the kings under him, then all of Israel would have always been under the king of Judah. 38. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that which is right in mine eyes, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and will build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. But sadly, in both Jeroboam's line of Israel kings and Solomon's line of kings of Judah, there will always be kings who sin. There will be a few kings here and there who follow the Lord, but most of them will walk in sin and commit all kinds of sins against the Lord. This includes most of the Israelite kings. 39. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. God ultimately always comes back to David's line because David loved the Lord so much. Yes, David did sin a few times, but he always repented quickly and got back on track with God. That's how we know if we're really lovers of God. Do we repent quickly and get back on track like David did, or do we just not worry about it? A lot of people who call themselves Christians, they're not worried at all about their sin. It doesn't bother them a bit. They just think, oh, I'm going to heaven whether I sin or not. No matter how much I sin, I'm going to heaven because, you know, I've got assurance of salvation. Well, that's the wrong attitude because the Bible doesn't teach assurance of salvation. It does teach that Jesus will never leave us and that Satan cannot snatch us out of the Father's hand. But that isn't the assurance of salvation that most people believe in. What the Bible also teaches is that we can walk away from God. We can jump out of the Father's hand. Satan can't snatch us out, but we can willingly jump out. And Jesus will never forsake us, but we can willingly forsake Jesus, and we often do. 
40. Solomon sought, therefore, to kill Jeroboam, because Solomon realizes that Jeroboam wants to take his kingdom. But Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. This is pretty awesome because this tells us the time frame. It tells us that while Solomon was still alive, Shishak was king of Egypt. According to the history books, Shoshek the first was king of Egypt in about 943 to 922 BC, and that does fit the time frame for King Solomon's kingdom. This is another confirmation that the Bible is telling the truth. 41. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, and all that he did, and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? There's another book out there somewhere called the Acts of Solomon. I've never heard it, or read it, or seen it. Maybe it's already disappeared in history, but at some point a book was written called the Acts of Solomon. We just don't have access to it anymore. 42. And the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was forty years. We haven't heard the last of Solomon, even though he's about ready to die here in this next verse. We haven't heard the last of him, because his proverbs are in the book of Proverbs, and some of his songs are in the book of Songs. He also wrote a song called The Song of Solomon, which is in the book The Song of Solomon. And he also wrote the book called Ecclesiastes, which we're also going to read. So we're going to read a lot of Solomon's words later in the Bible when we get to Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and the Psalms. 43. And Solomon slept with his fathers, which means he died, and was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his stead. Rehoboam, with an R, is Solomon's son, and Jeroboam, with a J, is the soon-to-be king of Israel. So Rehoboam is going to be the king of Judah at the same time that Jeroboam becomes the king of Israel. So we'll have to keep it straight in our minds, but we'll read more about that in the next chapter. And that concludes 1 Kings chapter 11.